Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. The Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, Pride to Detroit.com, Pride to Detroit on Twitter, Pride to Detroit on Facebook. Hey, you know where to find us. We tell you all the time live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit and on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Pride of Detroit. Coming to you again on Sunday here as we've had a full day to sleep off the Lions. Uh, dominant, dominant victory over the Denver Broncos, dispelling a lot of doom and a lot of gloom for both Lions fans and I think uh, various media pundits when it comes to the Detroit Lions. And one of the questions we'll ask today is, how much of that is stuff we carry between this and how much was that this was a really good matchup for the Detroit Lions? And also, what was Sean Payton thinking on third and goal? scratching your head a little bit that and talking about some of the stellar performances from some of the young bucks on both the offense and the defense, including one guy who got the power of an Italian agent on his side. Um, not me. I'm also Italian, but I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter, hoping one day to go into the Italian American sports hall of fame. Probably, probably not though. Give me a radio show and maybe it'll happen. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit online and producer of pride Detroit.com. Hello, Jeremy. Hi, I'm not Italian. But I mean, <laughs> you you are Jewish and we have this like, you know, cross, sure. you know, alliance between Italian Americans and, and American Jews. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm afraid about where this I'm not, road is why? going down. Well, we're, we're <laughs> not not, not, not necessarily anything you did. I'm just saying this is this is a perilous road here. This is this is why why I like doing these after a victory because everyone's in a much better mood. <laughs> Ryan Matthews. Black is the mother at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Um, I know my intros and live reads have been off the charts lately, Ryan. So how would you grade that? Uh, B plus. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I am a B. I am a B plus student. 
It's a great spot to be in. It is. It is. You can do a lot worse in life. I don't know how the Broncos could have done much worse on uh, Saturday, though, against the Detroit Lions. Uh, 42 a-, a minus. <laughs> a minus segue. <laughs> 42 to 17 as the Detroit Lions really didn't make it close at all. And I think, Jeremy, we could definitively say it was only a couple plays after the third quarter ended. Not the third quarter in this game, third quarter. And that we felt this game was pretty much put away. The Lions had put their stamp completely on this game, once again, leading wire to wire like they had in the early days of this. But I, this is a fascinating game because we come off so much doom and so much gloom after the loss to the Chicago Bears. The Lions just get done with a terrible three-game stretch of three divisional games, losing two of them to opponents with defenses that are on the come to young mobile quarterbacks, divisional opponents that have been hungry, that have kind of, you know, you see them twice a year. They're tough to deal with versus the Denver Broncos, who, I mean, they were also in a good spot. They had just won. I mean, they they had just won what? Three six of their last seven, six of their last seven. They were on the third of three road games, though, which is a little tough for them. But I don't think we saw this team dominating this severely. But from the jump, it looked like the Lions we had seen early in the season and how well oiled the offense ran. Jared Goff was mo- was mostly untouched in this game. He got two sacks, but uh, nothing that really stalled out drives or any of the turnovers we had seen in past games from Jared Goff and this offense. Amon Ross St. Brown bounces back for with a 112-yard game. Jameer Gibbs over 100 yards rushing. David Montgomery another 85. And on the defense, we're seeing safety blitzes from a Fatu Melifonwu that uh, really put some spark into, into the defensive pass rush. So with all this on the table, I am curious what you take away from this game, Jeremy, because there's a lot of storylines we can go with. There's a lot of stuff that this was a feel good game to come back home to Detroit to see the Lions play. I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat this, guys, and maybe maybe this is me just like chugging or putting an IV of Kool-Aid in, in, in my veins here. Mm. But this is exactly what I needed to see to confirm to me that this team is a contender. That that's all I needed. I needed to be entirely sure that what we saw in the first six weeks of the season was real because listen, they were, they were tail spinning in, in a way. And I, I mostly said, you know, we'd said for weeks, you know, teams go through some of these things and some of some teams pull out of it. Some teams don't, but we had gotten to a point where it was starting to get a little frustrating. The defense obviously has been one of the worst in the league over the past couple of months. Um, the offense was being frustratingly stubborn and uneventive, and, and we were starting to call out Ben Johnson. Um, I needed reassurance that that everything that I thought I knew about this team through late October was true. And that I got it. I got it. That That's all I needed to hear. That's all I needed to hear, that this team can go to one of the hottest defenses in the league and score five straight touchdown drives on them. I needed assurance that some of these players on defense are getting better and that the, and that some of the improvements I've seen in the pass rush over the past couple of weeks is real. And that Aaron Glenn is willing to change things up because that's something that a lot of people complained about Aaron Glenn's that he didn't change things up. I've always kind of rallied against that. I don't think it was ever really true, but we've certainly seen it now. And so I'm all aboard. Like 
this team is for real. This team is capable of pulling out a performance like that every single week. They might not do it every single week, but they are capable of doing that in any particular week. And if that's true and the Lions are on the verge of clinching a playoff spot, well, once you get into a single elimination tournament, anything can happen, especially if you can put up a performance like that. And I think the, I think the Lions can. Yeah, I I guess maybe the, the past month has um, clouded some things, right? And I think the, the stormiest cloud that was hanging over the team was the turnovers, right? Jeremy, not to toot my own horn, but I got a green cell on that document. <laughs> Lions won <laughs> the turnover battle. It wasn't really key in the game if we're being completely. I mean, it was key for the Lions not to turn the ball over, but the turnover that they got didn't lead to any points. It didn't, but Denver was driving. That's true. They just... Big one I mean, th- think think about how, but think. I mean, they're on the Lions' side of the field, right? Think yeah. about how this game changes a little bit if Denver's the first one to put points on the board. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that the Lions lose the game, but I'm saying it probably looks a little bit different. There was a, the the beginning of this game felt a lot like two heavyweight fighters kind of feeling each other out, mm-hmm. um, and then and then it was all over. Like as soon as like Detroit saw an inch. They took a mile. And I think what was key in that, right, and 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 what we saw last night on Saturday was the the Denver Broncos blitzed Jared Goff on 61.1% of his dropbacks. He was 14 of 21 for 178 yards and threw four touchdowns <laughs> when the Denver Broncos blitzed him. Now, I, I, I'm going to love to peel back the tape and, and see, like, these blitzes, how how the Lions were able to respond to it. But I think a big key cog in this Lions offense, right, is the dudes up front. Yeah. And they they had everybody up front. I still don't think Taylor Decker is 100%. I don't think he's 90%. I don't even think he's 80%. But uh, that, I mean, that guy deserves a hell of a lot of credit. I mean, we learned some some things about Frank Rag now and the sure. things that he's, I mean, these these guys are playing through it. Right. Yeah. And, and and they showed up last night and, and and that was awesome to see. This team will go as far as those guys up front can protect Jared Goff, because if if they can protect Jared Goff, look what happened last night. Right. Like yep. uh, that's been the biggest concern over the past month is have teams figure it out with Goff. Is it just we're going to throw the kitchen sink at you and we're going to make you make decisions really fast? It, it like I don't think that there was much to last night as I'm watching that football game that said Jared Goff looks uncomfortable like Jared Goff did not look uncomfortable last night, like maybe early on. Right. Like in, in the in the parts where, again, I thought these two teams were kind of feeling each other out. But as soon like I said, as soon as the Lions saw an inch, they took a mile. And uh, th- that I mean, that was super reassuring. So uh, I guess the biggest concern that I had, Chris, um, you know, coming into this game, I mean, assuaged in. The, the perfect way. Yeah. And I think a lot of this game was for me, and I said as much on the post game show, how much of this is real to take away because I'm not sure how to really read the Broncos. Like, as you said, it was a, it was a good defense coming in here, but at the same time, we also knew that their efficiency against stopping the run wasn't good. And you talk about the importance of getting, you know, having this line. I thought having Frank Ragnow back was huge because not only does Jared Goff look comfortable, but did you see the lanes that were open for Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery to walk through? And the run blocking was once again on the top of its game as Gibbs, you know, averaging over nine yards a carry in this game, just getting right back to what the Lions wanted to do. But I think what was most 
What was most reassuring to me, the one thing that I had worried about with the Lions in the past three games was, and this is one you can take away and say, even if even if you are a doomer out there and you don't and you just you look at the past three games and you can't shake it off, take this into consideration. The Lions did not do any of the self-inflicted wounds that they had been taking over the past. And if you want to extend it further, and if you want to include the Saints game in there, and if you want to include, I don't know, the a bit of the Chargers game, but I don't even think they had many mistakes in there. They just couldn't stop that. That's a shootout. So if you want to take anything away from it, the penalties were way down. The only real penalty was that ticky tack. DPI call. And I know, Jeremy, we've talked at length about how spot fouls should not be something in the game. Um, Jared Goff is, you know, as you say, Ryan, he's not he's he's got out of his mind. He's not making the same mental mistakes that he's really making. He's comfortable. He was comfortable again and he wasn't turning the ball over or spotting the ball on on a on a pick to anyone. Um, Those two factors I thought were the most important out of this game. This is the lions back to their identity. And it's exactly what I think we talked about, Jeremy, that the lions needed a loss at some point that was going to serve as a wake up call on how sloppy some of the things have gotten. Now the defense is something I'm still figuring out because there was some new stuff there. We had been talking for a while about this defense improving, but um, I don't think I saw that, if Atu Melifonwu would have been a game ball candidate for how much he was being used on the safety blitz, uh, a sack, a tackle for loss, two quarterback hits, two passes deflected as he's probably your defensive MVP of the night. Yeah, I, I want to go back to the offense really quick and, and then sure. we'll, we'll we'll get to Iffy and, and, and some other standouts maybe in the second segment here, too. Um, but. I just want to underscore how important the offensive line is to how everything does. And I know we just talked about it a bunch, but to me, that is what's going to propel them beyond this game. Because you look at their next opponent, their next two opponents, right? Minnesota, Dallas, and then Minnesota again. Minnesota is, is a team that, that sends very exotic blitzes very much like the Broncos do, whether it's from your linebackers, whether it's from your, your corners, your safeties. Now, Minnesota's a lot better at it. Broncos pressure rate overall, not very good for the year. Minnesota's much better. But to see the Lions essentially have every single answer for every single Broncos blitz was impressive. Wildly impressive. It felt like, and here's the crazy thing about it, like that offensive line has not played together that much this year. Almost none. It's like three games. And to see them just pass guys off to each other, the, the running backs were doing a relatively good job in pass protection as well. If they're able to do that against Denver, it gives me so much more confidence against a Bron- a Vikings defense that is dynamic, that is very, very good, uh, particularly with their pass rush. Again, it's going to be a more difficult challenge. And then when, when you get to Dallas, the Lions have not faced anyone as good as Micah Parsons, maybe Max Crosby. And, and Max Crosby created a fair amount of havoc. Uh, against the Lions back in uh, that Monday night contest. So to me, the offensive line playing as well as they did, um, not coming out of the game injured, um, that is so huge, not just for confidence, but for the specific matchups that are coming. Yeah, I the the Lions right now are on a doorstep. They're on a doorstep. I didn't want to worry about it any, any of the scenarios this week. 
at all because very easily so you just have to deal with the business in front of you take care of the minnesota vikings at least once we know divisional matchups hard to win twice the lions are proof of that and guess what you know you, that that goes back the opposite way i think the vikings have dropped some pretty interesting games lately but i you know and i don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be going into this game I don't even know who their quarterback will be going into this game. But I think the Lions have shown you that this team is is someone who, when the chips are down, when it's a a must win to get somewhere. They're going to try to they're going to put all that stuff to the side, be flexible and do whatever they need to get that win. And, And listen, like this team has been pretty darn good on a big stage, you know, Thanksgiving aside. They're now 4-0 in primetime this year. They got a fifth one coming up in Dallas in, in a couple of weeks. We we can keep bringing it up, but but I thought Jared Goff said it best. Like, this team's superpower is their ability to bounce back. They have not lost back-to-back games in a very, very long time, which which is great news because as we'll talk about in the third segment, the only way this team doesn't win the division is if they lose out. So pretty good chance that doesn't happen with with just the mental fortitude of this team while everyone else outside of the building is claiming that the sky is, is falling they're in there just going about their work you know that the whole like up down thing that the dan campbell always does that that team lives by and and sometimes it feels like it's just coach speak sometimes it's like player speak but you talk to the players in the locker room you see the way they perform on sundays and saturdays and whatever nights they play they it really does feel like this is a team that just does not get rattled by bad performances, by bad quarters, by whatever. We've seen them bounce back from bad quarters. We've seen them bounce back from bad games. And so, you know, obviously when you get to the playoffs, there's no margin for error at all. You can't have those bad quarters. You can't have those bad games. And that's something that they'll have to hammer out if they want to make a truly deep run. But in terms of just the rest of the regular season, I've got the utmost confidence that they're going to close this thing out in in. And, and without any drama. Uh, well, so, yeah, I mean, their ability to bounce back is, is a staple of them. Um, the the thing that we're going to see next week, right, is the the inverse of that, right? Like like Jeremy saying, this team isn't one who rides too many lows too long or, you know, probably rides too many highs. Right. Like, yeah, I'm trying I'm trying to think of like the game that felt the least competitive and it, i mean it's probably the panthers game right like the the panthers the game Ravens. at home um I'm, I'm i'm thinking about from a perspective where the lions win right the lions okay. win they take care of business and they you know what i mean like it's yeah, not yeah. even a contest right I, I i feel like there there's two games that come to mind uh one the panthers game um because it again didn't really ever feel like much of a game to begin with but then the other game that felt so dominant was week four against the packers right like going into lambo it felt like the lions dictated the pace they took care of business they did what they did and what they do the next week they played the panthers and and it was never a contest so like this is this is the next test in in me sussing out how much of a contender they are for the playoffs because going back to your point jeremy this is a single game elimination tournament yep Mm mm-hmm just you, win you, it. Just get in. You 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 win that game. How do you respond? Like it is winning a playoff game for this franchise. 
can Dan Campbell harness that energy and take it to a following week? And I know we might be getting it out ahead of our skis a little bit here talking about playoffs and winning playoff games, right? But like, that's where I'm at with this team, right? Like, I I don't think any of us ever thought that the playoffs weren't, you know, part of the final equation for this football team. Like, we, we, we knew this football team would be here. Now, I'm starting to think in my head, if this team can win a football game in the playoffs, the big test it, to see how far they are in this rebuild, Chris, and and to call it a rebuild, I guess silly now, right? But like, how do they respond? How do they I respond think, if they win that game? But I think a to your point, we talked about this a lot. This is still a team in progress, and obviously we'll get, we'll get a taste hard. of it next week. Sure, we'll get a taste sure. of it next week. A yeah, big I win mean, against Denver. I, how do you respond when you can you can take the division? Right, I meant you don't I have to this, worry about anything. Right. I meant this year in in question, like this was not like you measured up even before the season, this Lions roster. It's not 49ers complete. Right. We 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 kind of came in with that expectation. But to your point, too, like this is a team that we've. I this is why I didn't really buy into the panic that was happening after the Bears loss, because like I knew that there's no chance for how this team, if you look at its full body of work throughout the year, that they are losing back-to-back games. And that's how close the margin is to getting into the playoffs right now. Like, I mean, not margin, excuse me. That's how close the threshold is to getting into the playoffs right now, where we can say that we're recording this year on Sunday. We have to see what happens with Monday night football, but they could be playoff eligible after Monday, depending on if the Eagles beat the Seahawks or they could take care of their own business and by next week, just with one win, you've got the division. That's that's all we're that's that is how close we are. That is how close all of this is. And I can't speak to a playoff win or loss because I always have always believed that. And I understand the demand for it. And I understand that it's it's the goal because nobody wants to hear 1991 anymore. But. You just got to get into the playoffs and everything else comes from there. And getting into the vision means you control an opponent a little bit more easily and you be at home where you have been great at home outside of Thanksgiving. That was I had we had I had someone who went there and he told me firsthand and I I know, Jeremy, you were at the game that that was the loudest Ford Field has been all year. Well, yeah, because it was their most dominant performance all yeah. year. Like it, and And, you know, they got off to the slow start and everyone was starting to be worried. I think it, you know, the, the Seahawks immediately hit on a 40 yard play, but yeah, once, once the line started rolling, it was just like, there was so much to cheer for every single time the defense took the the field, every time the offense took the field. And so when you put up performances like that, people are starting to feel good, especially if it's a Saturday night, people are lubed up a little bit. And so, yeah, I think, I think that was, that was the medicine that Detroit needed for this team. And I, I can only imagine it's going to continue to grow as we get into the Lions home season finale in week 18 and then probably a, a home playoff game. We've got some more medicine for you. You know, what also the Lions have been taking to help them grow. Righteous felon craft jerky and meat sticks. It is the meat that fuels your Detroit Lions because righteous felon jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players, at the training facilities at Allen Park. 
Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams. That's a lot of protein, but it's enough to take on a quick drive from Allen Park to Ford Field. Because trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is best based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, using locally sourced all natural black Angus beef, superior quality, revolutionary branding, unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. Guys, we're getting close. I hope you got your holiday sh- shipping in. I think my Tommy DeVito jersey is actually going to be here before Christmas. I bought a Tommy DeVito jersey because, uh, hey. He let us down today. He did. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. You're not going to get them all. You just got to be a tough guy. Get right back up. RighteousFelon.com. Use the promo code POD15. We can help you with this. We can help you get 15% off your order. How generous are we? We're like the Santa of meat. A meat Santa, right, Ryan? I don't know what that is. <laughs> POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. When we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, this was a fun game to break down some performances from some players here. So we're going to get into them. If Fatu Melifonwu... Jameer Gibbs, Jamison Williams. There's a lot to talk about and there's a lot of fun stuff to break down next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We're back here and we get to talk more Lions. How lucky are we? Who's got it better than us? No, nobody. nobody. Okay. Glad we could at least land that plane. Where do we want to start? Because I think both offense and defense played remarkably well against the Denver Broncos. Some of those performances we've kind of come to expect. And just more of it comes in volume. But I feel like I want to start with a Fatou Melifonwo. A guy who has, uh, Jeremy at times, I think, shown some flashes here and there. But with the shit, but I think that was kind of the most important thing that changed between the Bears game and the Broncos game was the shakeup among the Lions DBs. Uh, Jerry Jacobs, I believe, did, I Oh, man, I am forgetting the snap count off the top of my head right now, but I do not believe he really had many. I think he was mostly special teams. I don't know if he got any defensive snaps. I don't think. Okay. The point being, he he wasn't an impact person on, right. on defense. He also left the game with an injury at the end. But yeah. Right. So Jerry Jacobs stock down. Tracy Walker stock's been going down a little bit there, but um Melifon Wu getting a lot of this playing time here and I I think I read it last segment ha, has a sack a tackle for loss two passes defended and two quarterback hits 
man was productive. And where a lot of the stuff that the Lions did in bringing pressure on the house was from safety blitzes. And if he was the driver of those safety blitzes. Yeah. I mean, his athleticism was just on display all game. And listen, like if he started to make an impact last week, right, he makes the big fourth down stop against the Bears then comes back as, as the starter again this week and makes more plays and more plays and more plays. And it, it was really impressive. It's it's a constant reminder now that sometimes it takes a long time for a player to develop. He, he I mean, he's taken kind of like a Derek Barnes-esque kind of, kind of route where most people had buried him on the depth chart, didn't think he was doing much of anything. But I think it's important to remember that in training camp, like he started to climb the depth chart a little bit, even when this team was at full health and Brian Branch was here and, and TJ Gardner Johnson, like he was starting to make a little bit of an impact. The problem, as, as Dan Campbell has now said a couple of times, was staying healthy. The kid couldn't stay healthy. And so he's not getting time on tasks. He's not getting the reps in practice. He's not getting the playing time on field. And now it's finally all come together. You know, he had another injury that, you know, he broke a, a finger when he was, a, they, they were going to make this move away from Tracy Walker weeks ago. But then he got the, the finger injuries. He's wearing a club. They're like, eh, I don't think you're ready yet. And so this is his opportunity. He's capturing it. Unfortunately for him, it might be short lived because CJ Gardner Johnson is right around the corner here. Um, but it's 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 good news for the Lions that you have a guy that the Lions are starting to believe in more. I think a lot of us have started looking to the offseason and thinking about, okay, what the, what are the Lions going to do in their secondary? It, it, it's clear that Tracy Walker is not going to be in this team's long-term plans. He's probably not going to be on the team next year. They're going to cut him. What about CJ Gardner-Johnson? What, you know, who's, who's going to be playing next to Kirby Joseph? And now maybe you have a legitimate option in Iffy. I mean, it's still, still early, but he's, he stacked together two decent performances. And yeah, like having that additional weapon as a, as a pass rusher is something that's kind of a, a, a new, skill unlocked it wasn't something that tracy walker was doing it's not something that kirby joseph does much of all it's something that brian branch does a little bit but it's something new it was a new wrinkle as dan campbell put it and it caught the broncos off guard it caught russell wilson off guard when he's running this bootleg has no idea that if he's barreling down on him and he fumbles the ball and so yeah to have another potential playmaker on the roster is is huge especially that it comes from a secondary that has struggled mightily over the past month I think that was probably so two things. The the thing that was the most encouraging to me about the defense in this game was just there were Lions defenders in the area and they were making plays on the ball, right? Yeah. Like yes. It, sure. it it seemed like it, it seemed like it had been weeks. Yeah. since we've seen like even players in the vicinity. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it it wasn't Nevin Lawson syndrome, right? It wasn't like players were in good spots, they weren't just making play like players were nowhere to be found and yeah. I think that was really encouraging when you stack that on top of Khalil Dorsey gets the start at corner, right? Like yeah, Kendall Vildor plays a bunch of snaps. And then, you know, you have Mel Fonwu, who I, I mentioned this uh, to Jeremy. Like, I, I hope that this game kind of gets remembered as the Mel Fonwu game in the sense that, like, this is a breakout game more so than it's, oh, remember that one game that <laughs> Fatu Mel Fonwu put his stamp on? But yeah. here's the thing moving forward that I think is interesting about Mel Fonwu. Uh, he led the team last night in run defense stops. Mm. 
the the yes. bulk of his snaps came from the box. Like he was playing in the box. He was, you know, blitzing. He was playing as a run defender, played a lot of slot corner. It was either that or, you know, the free safety stuff. But like the free safety stuff is Kirby's realm, right? Like yeah. Kirby's the guy that they want to drop back and ha- have making plays. But I mean, he made some plays in run defense uh, on Saturday where I was like, Kirk, Kirby's playing a little different right now, right? Yeah. And yeah. and maybe there's this sense of competition that's being bred because they know that CJ's coming back and CJ's fitting in there somewhere, right? Yeah. Like, so I better be as impactful in as many areas that I can be to assure myself some playing time moving forward. I think at the bare minimum, here's the thing that I love about if he having a breakout game and and you know, kind of stacking two together, there's depth there. Right. Yes. It's not it's not the end of the world if CJ comes back and it takes him a couple weeks to get ready because you can you can ease him in because yep. you have Melifonwu. You've afforded yourself that that luxury. So that's that's the thing that probably stood out to the the, the most to me about, about the defense last R- night. Really, really quick, just on, on Iffy too. I think one of his best reps actually came as a deep safety. Because of that oh, that was that deep shot, right? And yeah, he just yeah. punches yeah, it yeah, out. Punch from out over, yeah. Like, I, and I think I think there had been times when Kirby was really close or or Tracy was really close and they just couldn't make that extra play. They 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 were either a second late or or they couldn't punch it out. Five different defensive backs tallied pass breakups on Saturday. Five different defensive backs. That is such a huge improvement that if they can sustain. 70% of that going forward, I'm going to feel so much better about this defense. Half of that? <laughs> Maybe yeah. even half. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you then, since I know the question is whether or not this is a flash for, for Iffy versus something we can sustain, um, I was wondering that a little bit more about Josh Pascal, who I mm-hmm. thought was the other player on the defense who was incredibly impressive on Saturday. Um, again, uh, I think he had a sack, two tackles for loss, got a court, uh, quarterback hit from the sack. Like he he was but he was involved in some very high profile plays, especially on third down yeah. where like the Lions really needed to get the, the, the Broncos to stop and push them off the field. Josh Pascal was driving there. We've talked a lot about how, you know, Aiden Hutchinson has been getting pressure and you know, just really doesn't really get home sometimes, but he's creating that pressure there and there's no one on the other side to really help clean up for it. And I think Pascal stepped up in this game to be that player to clean things up. But I guess my question is to you, Jeremy Ryan, is, is this something we'll see more from Pascal moving forward? Because I feel like we've had a couple of these games from Pascal in the past and just kind of dips away. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's getting more opportunities. I think I think the coaches are seeing that he's making a play every now and then. And I mean, they're they're benching Charles Harris, right? He's he's been a, a healthy and active for a couple of weeks in a row. Julian's not doing much. Romeo's not doing much, and so he's getting the opportunities. I think he needs to be more Romeo consistent was with them. Active too? No, Romeo mistaken. played, but just not a lot. Okay. okay. Um, but but Pascal, I mean. It's, to me, it's like Pascal will make one or two plays earlier in the game, and then I'll forget that he's on the team for the rest of the game, which is, I mean, what you expect. This this is, to me, this feels like his actual rookie season. I know it's technically his second year, but it feels like he's getting enough playing time. He's he's moved through some of the injuries he was dealing with earlier in his career that I feel like now he's kind of just starting to put things together. And and I think it's it's like every week it's like, okay, he made one or two plays this week. Now it's two or three. Now it's three or four. And it's just about building that consistency that I just don't think is there quite yet. But 
He's he's a versatile guy. He's a guy that I know they really, really like. I think he's a guy that has a ceiling above. Like he's he is John Kaminsky, right? Like that is what his role is going to be. And I think he has a, a ceiling higher than where John Kaminsky is, but he's not there yet. And so it, he's he's building, he's stacking, but he's not where I think he needs to be. Yeah. And I think he I think he really makes hay when when they kick him inside. And we mm-hmm. talked about this a little bit when uh, on the charity stream, when the Lions, when we learned that the Lions were going to put McNeil on IR, I yeah. mentioned, hey, maybe like one of the one of the silver linings in losing McNeil is that you're going to get some more looks where they do put Pascal inside. And, you know, of his 43 snaps, he, he played 10 inside. So, I mean, like almost a quarter of his snaps came from in there. Yeah. Right. So, like. Mm-hmm. I think I think you can see that being impactful because the way he plays against guards, he's really quick. Like he, his hands are really active. But I, I think the thing that's encouraging again is like hopefully it's the same thing with the defensive back that we just talked about, right? Like CJ Gardner Johnson, like on the horizon, Aline McNeil on the horizon. It's it's reassuring and encouraging to know that well they have players that they can they can rotate through, especially like on the defensive line with Pascal. Like that 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 would be huge for this line. You want to move over to the uh, offense now? Yeah, and I want to talk about Jameer Gibbs first. I know we should probably talk about Sam Laporta first, but Jameer there's no, Gibbs. There's no hierarchy. No, no, no. But, I mean, I, I wanted to get some J-Mo talk in, too. So oh, we'll get like, it all let's, in. Let's start with, okay, let's start with Gibbs. Because, yes, I think Ryan, like I said it before, 100 yards, eight more through the air, you know, two touchdowns there in, in both passing and, and rushing. The recipient of some very large holes, but once again, the speed on display from Jameer Gibbs, the elusiveness, the I, I I don't remember if it was you or someone else on Twitter saying it feels like he's just covered in oil out there and just how hard he is to bring down on the field. It's it's impressive. It's the efficiency, man. And and I think that going back to the beginning of the season, I think all of us should have had the expectations keyed in on Gibbs was the efficiency. How efficient is he going to be? Jeremy, how efficient is Jameer Gibbs? He's leading the leagues in, in yards per carry amongst running backs with at least 10, 100 carries. That, that's so, pretty so we're, good. We're, we're excluding Devon A. Chain in that. So, Well, greatest ability. Thank there you. you um, Jameer Gibbs, though, I mean, 5.7 yards of carry. Nutty. I, nutty. Nutty stuff. And to to think that this guy... I. It feels like you can count on him to make a big play once a game, yeah. right? It seems like you can count on Jameer Gibbs to go 30 plus yards on a reception or on a rush at any given time. And the way that that can flip a drive, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. way that that can just turn. I mean, you think about a 30 yard gain in any aspect that that's changing the entire complexion of any drive right and gibbs is just that player who can do it and it's awesome like the roles that him and montgomery have i think it's perfect i like don't mess with it like i think that they've found this balance to utilizing both those guys that it feels it feels very much this is my drive this is your drive this is my drive this is your drive and i and i know they kind of use them a little interchangeably like they i mean they, they rotate in and out they spell one another but it does very much feel like this is the Gibbs drive, right? Where he's the guy who's in and and they're they're working the passing game and they're working the run game. 
And then Montgomery came, comes in and it's almost like the Lions kind of their identity changes on offense a little bit. But it's so awesome that like they can transform from one drive to a next where it's like, OK, this one's going to be four yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah. Right. The Gibbs one is going to be like, how did the Lions just move the ball 75 yards in two minutes? Like very carefully. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that that's I mean, again, like you want to talk about playoff teams, any team that can flip the field in a hurry on offense. That's a dangerous team. Right. And you don't normally think of it on the run in the running game. You think of it in deep quarterback passes. And that's something the lines have been lacking. But this is a pretty good alternative when when you can have someone as reliable as Jameer Gibbs, like you said, create these explosive runs on a weekly basis, if not, you know, two or three times a week. Um, it really is incredible to watch. And and y'all know what I think about running backs, but they are fun to watch that, you know. I, I can say what I will about their overall value, but they, they're one of the most fun positions to watch. I mean, my favorite player growing up was Barry Sanders. So, um, and, and, and Gibbs is just every time he touches the ball, he, it seems like he's about to do something special. And that's, and, and I think maybe one of the most impressive things to me about it is like, he's not, he's not doing it like Barry did where he has to like make all these jukes and moves. And he's just like, he's hitting the hole. And like a lot of times it's just, you are reading the read perfectly and you're going to have the speed to once you get through the B gap, you're going to be able to kick it outside and beat the safety to the corner because you're just that much more athletic. And when you're one-on-one -on -one with a guy, a defensive back, you're probably going to shake him or at least break a tackle because that's also something he's capable of. We think of Jameer as a, as a speedy shifty guy, but he can break tackles too. And that's what makes him such such a joy to watch so far. And man, I I know CJ Stroud already wrapped up rookie offensive rookie of the year three weeks ago, but Gibbs deserves to be in the conversation. And so does another play that we're going to talk about in, in a little bit here. Well, before we do that, you did mention whether or not the Lions, you know, they don't really have the home run ball to flip the field like what they do have Jameer Gibbs. But um this was a game where we finally saw more than one reception by Jamison Williams. And more than that, we saw him on a slant route. We saw him, we saw him in not just, you know, go and, you know, you know, try to beat the safety deep and get something off the top. Them working Jamison Williams into more plays out here and having an impact in some of the the mid the mid range stuff that the Lions need to do to get first downs. I think in in terms of usage, that is a big improvement for Jamison Williams. I know it's been really tough with how the Lions have been utilizing him and how he's adapted to the NFL itself. And, you know, there's always been rumors out here, but I think this was a plus game for Jamison Williams in his in what is virtually his rookie year right now. Yeah. And, and listen, the, the Lions, this Dan Campbell is nothing but honest. And so when he was asked last Monday, like, is it time to get Jameson Williams more involved? His answer was yes. Yes, it is. Uh, which is which is a phenomenal answer, because it, first of all, you don't expect it to hear from a coach. And then second of all, you don't expect that to actually be true. But seven targets in this game very early on, it was very clear he was one of the main focal points of what they wanted to do early. And I think they eventually got a little bit away from that because as much as they were targeting Jameson Williams in the first quarter there, the offense actually wasn't moving all that well when they were. Now, it evened out a little bit once they got the run game going, once they started spreading the ball around to other guys and then going back to Jamo. But, I mean, let, let's cards on the table. Jameson Williams made two of the best plays I've seen him make as a Detroit line in this game. One 
I don't know how he escaped the guy on the sideline and turned it upfield for another seven <laughs> oh, or eight man. yards. I still yeah. don't like I've watched it a million times. I don't know how he jukes a guy in a phone book like that's that's as much room as he had. He was literally in a phone book and somehow got out of it. And then the catch like the contested catch he made that I know he, he tweaked an ankle uh, on or, folded, or something folded like a lawn chair and scared yeah. the crap out of me. Right. That I've never seen Jameson Williams make a catch like that. And and I'll I'll sit here and, and tell you I've. I've been the the biggest one of the biggest critics of his hands. I've, I've said the work ethic is mostly there. I, I believed that he would eventually get to turn things around with, with some of his route runnings. I've had a lot of concerns though with his hands, and that that play alone made me think, okay, may, maybe it was just like everything was going to click at once with this guy, and now it's starting to. And that's that's a scary thought for a team that has Jameer Gibbs, that has Sam Laporta, that has Amon Ross St. Brown, that has a whole bunch of different weapons that they can utilize. And now Jameson Williams might be coming on right at the right time. They can get that home run ball going right in time yeah, that, for the playoffs, Ryan. That's a, the one thing they still don't have going. They had one. Deep well, I think, there I think that's more of a close. Jared Goff problem than a Jameson Williams problem at this point. I think it's a little to... bit, but it's a little bit of both, right? Like the ball tracking is oh, not sure, good sure. with, with yeah. Jameson Williams on some of these deep balls. He wasn't going to catch the one that, was in this game, but like watching the replay, it didn't seem like he had any idea where that ball was. Yeah. All right. We've sat around here long enough without talking about um, this man. I have long talking about this man. I, I, I have quirks when it comes to NFL history. And I keep counting down how close Sam Laporta now is to Mike Ditka's rookie year touchdown touchdowns in 1961 which was 12 he picked up three in this game he's at nine now i don't understand how iowa has no offense when they clearly last year when they clearly had this man as this kind of an effing weapon (laughs) sitting there not being used are you kidding me like as you said, Jeremy, it feels like C.J. Stroud has the offensive rookie of the year sewn up pretty well. But my God, I don't know what who it'll be for the Lions for being the offensive uh, player of the uh, player of the year. I think St. Brown still deserves all the love in the world. But uh, Laporta has given them options and Laporta has thrived in very big ways. And Laporta not only. Like we, I think we've talked about this with TJ Hawkinson, but one thing Laporta has that TJ kind of struggled with at times was just how elusive he was with the yak is yeah. Sam is with his yards after completion. He's been able to catch the ball and then extend the plays. And some of those extensions have turned into touchdowns in this game as he was the main driver of the scoring against uh, accounted for ha- about half the points against the Denver Broncos. Ben Johnson keeps saying it, and I don't think I could agree with him more. We're trying to find things he can't do, and we're not succeeding. (laughs) Like, the guy can block, the guy can pass protect, the guy's been playing fullback for the Lions these past few games. I I don't know if people have been noticing, but they went away from Malcolm Rodriguez because they're like, oh, we just got Sam Laporta? That's fine. Malcolm, you can go back to defense. It's fine. Um, Because Sam Laporta's doing everything. He's playing fullback, he's catching it. And that's the thing, too is if that ball is anywhere near Sam Laporta's catch radius, he's catching it. I feel like, I feel like at times Hawkinson had some drop problems. I have not seen, I mean, I think we've gotten you like from Pettigrew to Ebron to Hawkinson, like 
there's always been a little bit of a drop issue with all these guys. Has has anyone ever complained about Sam Laporta's ability to catch the ball yet? No, because that guy is a vacuum cleaner, man. And, and you're right. He, he's able to turn it upfield. His touchdown that, that he broke a tackle on and, and juked a guy was incredible. I, I, I don't I don't I'm, I'm out of things to say about this kid because he is a top five tight end in this league and he might not be five, four, five or four. Like he's that good already in his rookie season at one of the toughest positions in the NFL to make an impact in your rookie season. Mm, man. The, it's uh it's the route running. Like when you see him get to the top of his routes and break stuff, like he has he has nickel corners, safeties that are not keeping up with him, right? Yeah. And like it, it doesn't make any sense because it's Sam Laporta. He's a big golden receiver, right? And here's the thing goes back to Jeremy, right? The the contested catch rate. Uh it was a problem in Detroit for, for Hawkinson. And I think they, they went away from it. Like Hawkinson wasn't a guy that you wanted to throw jump balls to the, the, the lasting image of TJ Hawkinson for me in a lion's Jersey is the Patriots came. Remember the Bailey Zappi game. It was Jared Goff trying to throw a jump ball to TJ Hawkinson and a defender getting in the way and, and, and coming away with the interception on, on the goal line. And I think shame, shame on you for making me remember that game. I'm sorry, but you know, we're on to bigger and better things, right? Um, <laughs> but, but here, here, here's, here's the proof that's in the pudding this year, TJ Hawkinson, uh, a 32% contested catch rate, uh, 25 contested targets, only eight contested catches. You know who leads the NFL guys in contested catch rate for tight ends? His name's Sam Laporta. He's caught 12 of 15. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. 80%. I love that you bring in the stats to backing up my point. That's, right. Like it, it and that's I, incredible. I, that I mean, from a rookie, like this guy is doing it. Like his contested catch in the end zone, Patrick Sertain in coverage. No, my ball, touchdown, Lions. You know oh, what I mean? Ball. Like, ooh, I it, it's tough. You know, I had to write that article about how Aiden Hutchinson wasn't the defensive rookie of the year last year. I feel like I want to write the article about why either Sam Laporte or Jameer Gibbs like deserve consideration. They're they're gonna split the vote. That's the worst part. Can we just like can I we know. Do, can we vote for like Jameer <laughs> Laporta? We, we need to portmanteau their names together some way. Jameer Laporta. Yeah. I don't know. Sam quickly, Gibbs doesn't quickly, have, quite have the ring. It sounds like an actor's name. And quickly, just throwing him in here again, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but we do need to get out of here. But um, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Great bounce back game. Yeah, you knew it was going to come, right? Yeah, no, you were never going to keep him down for that long. (laughs) Jamorta. Jamorta. (laughs) Jamorta. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll clean up a couple other things. There were some quirk and oddities from this game I kind of want to revisit. And we do want to, I, I don't know, do, we talked a little bit about the NFC and the yeah, playoffs. we got to talk playoffs. Season. We got to talk playoffs. We'll talk some playoffs Chris. again. There were a couple other quirks in here, including, um, I want to like go round table and figure out what was Sean Payton doing on third and goal? And other quirks and decisions from this game as well, which I find just intellectually fascinating. Spoiler alert, Sean Payton was trying to order ahead on Applebee's. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast.
subscribe to Detroit POD cast. Let's wrap up a couple last things from this game. Uh, a couple players who I didn't think. Uh, I, well, ho- hold on for that to your side. Just, I guess I should start by asking, considering where we've been with decision-making on this team, overall, I guess, Jeremy, looking to the coaching staff, looking to the fires that Ben, that uh, Aaron Glenn and a little bit of Ben Johnson have been under recently. Was this game, I, I think I think the big story from this game mostly goes to those two as far as just bounce back on, on flexibility, on getting their units back on track uh, for Aaron Glenn to really start bringing pressure again and blitzing. Um, I think that's one of the bigger takeaways. We just haven't really, we, we talk a lot about players, but we should probably say this on the, on the coaching front because that feel, this feels like the game that was the get right in this mostly for those two. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a good point to be made because yeah, Aaron Glenn has obviously been under fire for, for a lot of the season. And like I said, I think earlier in the podcast, I think some of that was been unfairly thrown upon him that, that he's not trying new things that they have, but he, he found a lot of things that worked in this game, including, like we said, some of the, the roster shakeups, including some of the disguise blitzes, some of the simulated blitzes, things like that, that, that the lions, did a lot more of um, and a lot more of on not just third down as well. And so um, that was good. And then on the offensive side of the ball, like, yeah, we were, we were sitting here on this podcast last week, really kind of getting into Ben Johnson. And it it seemed like he just kind of lost his mojo that the lines were getting stale. The bears had figured them out. And (laughs) I I was, I was very surprised about how that game started out. Right. And it's not necessarily, in, in a good way, the lines come out and throw five straight passes on, on the opening drive. When we all look at this match and be like, well, the Broncos have gotten pretty good in pass defense, but they suck at run defense. So they should just run all over them and then they don't run the ball at all. And then of course, when they get to the run game, that's when everything starts clicking. So maybe a slow start for him, maybe not the best open game script for, for Ben Johnson, but like it's clear he unloaded the playbook on the Broncos and he had them swimming by the third quarter. So full, full credit to those coordinators. That's the, I, I think it's smart to point out that we should give those two credit before uh, before we do get out of here. And yeah, and, and the blitzes from Aaron Glenn, like like Kristen mentioned, uh, uh, Russell Wilson blitzed on uh, eighteen of his uh, of his thirty five dropbacks. So I mean, over half yeah. the time, AG yeah. was dialing up a blitz, and uh, surprisingly enough, like Wilson's numbers like pretty good when he was blitzed, um, but. I don't know, like the first half numbers were indicative of itself, right? Like Aaron Glenn's defense hasn't played like that in a half in a while, yeah. maybe at all this year. I don't know. Like I, it, it's been too long. Right. And, and it was definitely a get right game. The one thing that I think didn't change between a couple of these past games, and it's maybe something I think comes up with a larger question as far as who's getting playing time. Uh, as this enters a very critical stretch, I, I think the one person I think from the defense, I wasn't really impressed with too much. Um, I know, I think he posted like a 77 run defense grade, which is fine, but I did not think this was a good game, Jeremy for Alex Anzalone. Um, and there were some, there were some tackles missed in there that I think people noticed. Um, there was the PI penalty, although I, again, that felt it was clear PI, but it still it it 
it shouldn't have counted for that much but this is an old hill that you and i both die on yeah if, if, but, if you wanted me to get into that we no no but I, I was more, on that i was more wanting to talk about alex anzalone because we had seen in past weeks i don't think jack campbell graded that well in this game according to pff either but you know we we had talked about how jack campbell had been playing better and better in past weeks and I know they're not in direct competition with each other. And I know Derek Barnes had to leave this game for a while, but I don't know how, how concerned are you with Anzalone's play um, moving forward? Not at all. None. I mean, he's, he's not the greatest coverage linebacker, but he's probably the best the Lions have, but that's not what he's normally going to do for this team. He's going to be a, a, an extremely good run defender, which, I mean, that's something we haven't talked about. The Lions continue to be one of the most uh, efficient run defenses in the league. And that was that was huge in this game. It forced the Broncos into a lot of obvious passing downs, which was why the Lions were able to, to generate a lot of pressure. And Anzalone is an essential part to what they do in run defense. You just pointed out his, his very good run defense grade. And he's also been utilized a lot in the, in the pass rush. And I know Ryan isn't, the biggest fan of that, especially when it's kind of delayed. But in general, I think he's pretty good at pass rush. He's not a lead at it, but it's someone they trust to do that. I think he had two pressures in this game, maybe two quarterback hits even. Um, so, no, I, I'm not concerned about Alex Anzalone or really any of the linebacker play. It's not it hasn't been outstanding like it was a couple of weeks ago, but it's fine. I don't have any problem with the linebacker play. You're, you're right. Tech, tackling wasn't the best in this game, but. I mean, uh, I think we get caught up on missed tackles. Sometimes you're just you're facing dynamic players <laughs> that are able to do that. They have they get to make plays, too, as we like to yeah. say. <clears throat> Other teams get to score. Other teams get to make plays, too. Any thoughts on that, Ryan, or should we move on to talking about the NFC? Playoff. Let's talk playoffs. Playoffs. Let's go. So on a scale of Jim Mora to Pitbull. How pumped are we? Uh, full on pit bull i think is that the right end of the spe- yes. spectrum i think it is yes um yeah. uh, the, the 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 musician pit bull fireballs we're 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 taking Playoffs. shots of fireball yeah i mean i, I don't know where you want to go with this but i mean the I, lines I'm, are a win or a vikings loss away from winning the division for the first time in 30 years like we we're, we're not quite there where we can start celebrating but literally the only way the lions don't win the division is if they lose out and the Vikings win out. And granted, two of those three games are against each other. And the Vikings probably have the easier of the third game playing the Packers where the Lions have to play the Cowboys. But being in a position where you need to split with the Vikings or beat a Cowboys team that we just saw today, quite beatable, you are in a very fortuitous situation. And I think we can... We can at least put the champagne on ice right now. We don't, we're don't. we not going to cork it, but the champagne is 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 getting chilled right now. You mean uncork it? Yes. Which you really don't want to do until you're ready to have the champagne like right away, too. Hmm. Yep. Moving away sure. from the champagne uh, thing, let me let me ask Ryan, like, because I guess I look at this game and I'm and I'm like just again, the main thing I have to sit here and ask, how portable is a lot of this to the Minnesota games? You are going on the road. Minnesota at though, like I think Jer, I think it was Jeremy, you had this tweet on Saturday that you were hoping that 
Nick Mullins played well enough to remain a starter, but poorly enough that he would lose the game. Check and check. Uh, yeah, check Maybe. and check. We kind of got that sweet spot, Ryan. So uh, barring them going back to Josh Dobbs, I think I still get a little scared of Jordan Addison for this kind of game. And it's the question the Lions have to answer about blitzing. Because I don't think there were a lot of weapons that as the Lions were blitzing that they weren't like, yeah, we really worry about this guy punishing us for going on the blitz. Like maybe Cortland Sutton, but he was he was handled fairly well. Jordan Addison, on the other hand, even with Nick Mullins throwing to him, remains a problem. But mm. and and we talked about this earlier. The Vikings like to blitz, and it's been the eternal question as we look at Jared Goff and how well he can hold up to the pressure we are getting into three games against either an aggressive defense or a defense with some talented players that can really bring pass rush pressure. That, that latter one being the Cowboys. Mm. Yeah. The the Vikings have a guy named Justin Jefferson too. He's pretty good. Um, They have weapons though. I think that's the concern in the, in the passing game is you have, as you mentioned, you have Addison, you have Hawkinson, Jefferson, I think that if this is a Vikings team, if if there's an aspect of their offense that I think that Kevin O'Connell can maybe piecemeal together, it would be a passing attack. Like, because here's the thing that the Vikings don't do well at all, and it's run the football. Um, and I know that Ty Chandler had a really good game against Bengals, but like large in part, this Vikings offense just doesn't move the ball on the ground. Um, it's, it's not who they are. They can't really do it. Um, I don't know if that was strictly an Alexander Madison issue, um, but with him being injured, Ty Chandler gets the chance to have the game of his life. Again, I don't know how much that is has to do with like the Bengals run defense, maybe not being so great. Also DJ reader was out of that game. Um, one of Jeremy's, all-time favorite players um, yeah. and and one of the ones who truly got away um, during the Patricia era. Um, that's why it never really worked. Um, but anyways, all that aside, I think that the Vikings, like that, that's the clearest path to the playoffs, right? Beat the Vikings once. And I, I know it's beating the Cowboys, but that I feel like that's just a tough ask going to Dallas um, in a primetime game where maybe Dallas has a lot at stake in that game, right? Um, maybe they're playing for the division. Who knows where Philadelphia is going to be post Monday. Um, but I, I do think that when I look at the Vikings matchups, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be two things. It's going to be how well does Ben Johnson protect Jared Goff from the blitz and how much pressure does Aaron Glenn send? Um, because I think that they're, quite a few more weapons on Minnesota's team than there was on Denver's team. And I know it's Russell Wilson versus Nick Mullins, but again, and I know I'm weighing Kevin O'Connell versus Sean Payton, especially after Kevin O'Connell tried to tush Bush twice in a row with, I I need to know what Nick (laughs) Mullins PR and squat is before I know that you're allowed to do the tush push. Um, It's just a QB sneak, but still like to not even be able, you had, you had less than a yard to go on two plays and you didn't get it. I think just a different breed of of playmaker on on Minnesota's offense than than there was on on Denver's offense. So I think those two things, that's what it boils down to, Jeremy. No, I think you're right. But I think you can't overlook the 
Russell Wilson downgrade to Nick Mullins because we saw against the Bengals, you bring a little pressure to Nick Mullins and he made some really stupid plays in that game. Um, yeah. and he's, he's not going to escape pressure For sure. like, like Russell Wilson can, he's not going to escape pressure like Josh Dobbs can. And so that to me is, that is a good recipe for this Lions defense. They have been very good at pressuring immobile quarterbacks. You I mean, go back to the Raiders game. Remember that one? Remember how mm-hmm. uncomfortable they made uh, Garoppolo look in that game and how, oh, yeah. how bad he was? It, the Raiders have some weapons on that team, too. Not, not as, as many in the Vikings, and, and I think it is important to point out just how many the Vikings do have, but you, the quarterback has to get it there. And I think I think the lines can. The other factor of this is that the Vikings do have a fairly decent offensive line, not not in run blocking, but in terms of pass protection, it's it's good. And so right. I think the lines are going to have to get a little bit of creative, and I think they are going to bring a little bit of extra pressure than they maybe would in a normal week. Although Aaron Glenn has been trending up in blitzing, not just this past week. It it's been like a month Weeks. long trend at this yeah. point. Yeah. It gets lost in there when they have to stand on their head and they give up an eventual play that then makes Lions fans upset because they gave up the play in spite of the fact that, you know, they're standing on their heads for an entire quarter. There's no other way to describe it when your your offense goes three and out for an entire quarter. This isn't to dismiss the Cowboys or even just say, oh, yeah, that's going to be a loss. Cowboys. We've talked a little bit, Jeremy, about the strength of the opponents they have been playing. And the question that repeatedly brings up. I don't know if my opinion of them changes just because they went on the road and got annihilated by the Buffalo Bills in a must-win game for the Bills to stay in this AFC playoff contention. But they do also go on the road next week uh, to Miami. So I think that will give me an even better look at who the Cowboys are. And unfortunately, Lions get them in their last home game for the season. And I still have a lot of questions about the Dallas Cowboys. I fear their defense like hell, and I think that is disruptive. On the other hand, I'm curious how the Lions defense, given enough time, given a given a charged up game that how they could take it to Dallas. But the good news for all of this is, is we talked, as we said, to start this podcast, you win next week and it doesn't even matter. But let's say it does matter. Let's say like, as we're looking forward, how much, if they do need to beat Dallas, how much of a fear factor do you have right now? I mean, to me, that game has all the makings of a shootout. Like the Chargers game. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you, you, it, it's one of the better quarterbacks the Lions will face this year. They've got just as many weapons as anybody else. And yeah, I mean, you, you hope CJ GJ is back by that game. So it gives your secondary a little bit of extra boost. But I think the Lions can run on the on the Cowboys. We, we mentioned it before, like they got absolutely torn up on the ground by the Bills today. And that that's the blueprint, right? To slow the game down, to make sure that your defense isn't getting blitzkrieged by Dak Prescott. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think. It's funny because a week ago, every single Lions fan would say they don't have a fighting chance against the Cowboys. This week, the Lions blow out the Broncos. The, the Cowboys get blown out by the Bills. And suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, no, we can take them. Um, no, it's it's not going to be an easy game. In in Dallas, they've been excellent at home this year. Um, and like I said, that that's going to be one of the better quarterbacks the Lions have faced all year. And the Lions have not 
fared well against good quarterbacks outside of Patrick Mahomes this year. So um, that'll be that'll be a tricky one. Um, you you definitely hope you take care of business this week. I mean, that's that's the thing. I don't expect this team to lose three in a row. But every week that you put off clinching the division, the pressure is going to build. So if you don't do it this week, well, suddenly you're probably going to have to do it next week unless the Packers beat the Vikings. And if you don't do it next week, suddenly you are playing for your division title at home against the Vikings in a winner takes all type of situation. And is that the worst place to be in? No. But, you know, if you believe in all this momentum stuff and you believe in all the trending up, trending down stuff, having a Vikings team on a, on a two game winning streak and the Lions game on a Lions on a two game losing streak heading into the week 18. A lot of people are going to think, oh, I don't know about this Lions team. They had that one Denver game where they looked good, but Otherwise, it's been two straight weeks of two straight months of mediocre. Like, I don't I just don't want to be in that situation as exciting as it would be. I'd rather take care of business this Sunday and Christmas Eve. Give us, give us all a nice little early present. And, and then we can just argue about seating for the final two weeks of the season. Yeah, it, it's funny, though, in in that world where the Lions drop the next two and it comes down to week 18, potentially for the division. Um it's just funny to think about how much different that scenario, because this is quite literally the scenario that happened in 2016. Like the lions had control, right? They controlled their destiny. And then it came down to the final week of the season against a divisional opponent. And it really didn't it. I don't think that that game much of ever felt like the lions had a a chance. Like it, it felt like green Bay's game, to lose because of what Jeremy reminded everybody at the beginning of the podcast going into week 18, those feelings are not similar at all because of this coaching staff. Right. And right. I'm trying to knock, knock Jim Caldwell here and, and do some revisionist history, but to Jeremy's point earlier about Dan Campbell and leading a steady ship and like never getting too high, never getting too low. If this team were to drop two games, the next two games, I, I think that for the most part, I would feel just as confident about this team taking care of business at home in, in week 18 to, to win the division because of the leadership. Yeah. You'd have a charged up crowd. You'd know this was your last chance. You have three, you have three strikes and all you got to do is smack, smack the ball on one of them. You, you really took us on an emotional roller coaster there, Ryan. You're like, Oh, this reminds me of 2016. And everyone's like, well, Ryan, why are you bringing a pass? But this is why <laughs> it's different. And then you got him. You got, you had me in the first half. <laughs> Not going to lie. Gonna well, yeah. we're not going to lie. I think we're going to put this podcast in the can. Uh, Jeremy, I know our our recording schedule this week is difficult because of the uh, um, holidays and everything. Yes, I will be in Florida for most of the week, but we will get a midweek mailbag off before I go. At some point, we're going to record first bite. It might not be live. I'm sorry, YouTube and Twitch, but we'll we'll try to get it up there. I still haven't figured out the best way we're going to do that, but I promise you we will get mm-hmm. a first bite. Um, I'm almost certain we're going to get our, our good friend Arif Hassan because Arif is my favorite guest that we get. I, yeah. I, I, I know I'm not supposed to announce favorites, but Arif is my favorite. So we'll make sure that gets up in one way or the other. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have all the content that you need. I will be working like doubles coming up. So like, we'll see. Uh where I'm around, but we'll be keeping you company through the holidays. I get two straight weeks off. That's right. Teach. 
All right, Ryan's running the podcast for the next two weeks. Uh, you <laughs> be careful what you wish for. <laughs> oh, God, let's get out of here on that note. Uh, at Chris Perfett at Detroit Online at Ryan underscore POD. We will see you starside. Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.